Hi guys, it's Bayo here. I and mean, I'm so excited today to bring you my first ever Backstreet Boys interview. You may have noticed over the last year that um, Jodie and Claire have been doing all this great content for you, um, interviewing fantastic athletes. Um, I, on the other hand, have been somewhat lacking in that department. Firstly, because I've been busy, but also because I had one particular lady in mind that I really wanted to interview first. She's one of Britain's greatest ever athletes. She has Olympic gold, Olympic silver, two World Championship golds and a Commonwealth gold, along with a whole host of other medals. We've been talking about it for quite a while now, but she's been uh, busy. She retired last year. She's also been um, newly started studying law. Um, but we finally got our schedules together and she came to visit us at Backstreet Boys Towers last week. Of course, I'm speaking about the fabulous, the legendary Christina Horogu. We sat down and I thought we'd maybe have an hour, but she actually sat and chatted to me for two and a half hours, which was most, most generous of her. Because of that length, we're going to split it in two today. So um, we'll do the first half up until one of her greatest triumphs. And then a few days later, we'll drop the second part for you. And here she is. Thank you very much for coming and welcome to The Bachelor Oh Boys. no, thanks for inviting me. We'll have some fun today. Hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully, <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've retired now, mm-hmm. but we're going to go all the way back. Okay. And we're going to work our way through your career, your, okay. your fantastic career. Uh-huh. Um, I have a lot of questions, obviously. Uh, we have a lot of questions also from our um, followers on Twitter. Okay. People who are wanting to know stuff from you. But let's start at the beginning. So okay. tell me... Uh, where were you born and what did your parents do when you were growing up? Okay, just to, just to know, I've got a sore throat, so that's why my voice sounds like this. Um, it's sexy. It is it? Yes, definitely. It hurts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so I was born in Strat, well, Forest Gate Hospital to be specific. Um, my parents um, moved to the UK maybe about two, three years before I was born. And, um, yeah, so I... I got an older brother and we it was only the pair of us for a while until my younger brother was born and um, so he's five years younger than me and um I was kind of disappointed he wasn't a girl <laughs> <laughs> but we were very close I loved looking after him and um I was funny because I've got I've got six brothers now. I was just going to say, so you have a very big family. So a very big so family. How many in total are there? So there's six of us. So it's eight of us now. Yeah. Six brothers, one sister. And I was telling me, um, my other brother yesterday, how we all used to play out. Like, my, me and my older brother, we literally spent our childhood on the streets, in parks. Um, I have the fondest memories just growing up around where we lived, where we just played out all the time. Um, like, my street was like, I don't know, United Colours of Benetton. We had every, you know, every colour and nationality on our street. And we all played together. We played curbsies, um, knocked down ginger, which I shouldn't say, but <laughs> we played that. And it was, that's, those are the memories I had. We're always out playing games on the streets. And I think from that young age, I don't, it wasn't really organised sport I was interested in, but I just enjoyed being outside. I enjoyed being active. You know, we had bikes, roller skates, um, skipping rope well my brothers wasn't skipping but I was skipping <laughs> um, we had everything everything every kind of activity going and that's what we did we just played around we made um, use of what we had we weren't a rich family but we just made use of what we had um, we weren't aw- going away every summer um, holidays we there's too many of you wasn't there? <laughs> well, well yeah, and that but my parents always working throughout the summer so we had play schemes what did your parents do? So my mum, my mum's now works with Inland Revenue, 
and then my dad is well my dad doesn't do it anymore but he was a chartered chief marine engineer right so he worked on ships in the engine room so he was I mean my dad's proper smart proper smart man um so that's what I was like and, and all, yeah so what I was going to say is that when my I said to my uncle, one of my other brothers yesterday that we love playing out but my yeah, the brother that comes directly after me he was he was he's five years younger than me he was um, he always just wanted to play out with us but we hated taking him because he was just slow <laughs> you know how to drag your kid brother around and he was just like chubby and slow and we didn't want to take him but we had to because my mum wanted to have peace in the yeah. house so she'd be like take your brother but we hated taking him because we couldn't run around as freely as we wanted to and this is all in deepest East London isn't it which this is obviously will, will come up later yeah. on yeah. and it was all around around the area around the Stratford area yeah yeah, yeah. so this is the same the same house that my family live in now is the same house I, I grew up in so how did you first get into sport okay so um, as I said it was never really organised sport in the summer play schemes we'll do a bit of running a bit of this a bit of that but I didn't really care as long as I was running around um, I, I just know that I just enjoyed running it wasn't you know I didn't grow up watching any sport on TV we were busy playing out and yeah. watching TV um, but I, I think um, for me it was just sports days at school it was PE I loved PE loved PE and it's like whenever I had an opportunity to run, I would just be running and doing stuff. But I think my first foray into organised sport came um, when I joined the netball club at primary school. I was going to say, because netball was your primary school. Yeah, that was my it? first love. Yeah. So we played uh, netball. I remember, I remember the teacher that taught us. She was teaching us from a textbook. She just had the textbook in one hand and while trying to organise us along the court, like telling us where to stand. And I absolutely love netball, but my netball kind of story ended quite abruptly when I didn't I didn't get picked for the match so I left <laughs> I quit the team I was so upset how old, how old were you then? I must have been about 10, 11 10, I think probably about 10 so you actually stopped netball so I quit 10. <clears throat> yeah I played at school primary school then I quit because I didn't get played I didn't get put on the team and then I was I think it was just my protest yeah. not being played that's so interesting because in my head mm. I thought that you played at netball up until a lot later and then you'd kind of switch from netball oh no I did to, oh, okay, I so carried you, on you did carry I, on I, you? so I quit first and then um, one of my friends uh, she kind of persuaded me to come back right. so I came back and then I got put back on the team and, and then me and Netball were friends <laughs> forever after that. And so what, what standard Netball were you playing? Were you playing so, for the county um, or, you know, I yeah, don't know Yeah, so I went from, uh, so primary school, then I went to um, secondary school, and the first thing I did was join a Netball club. And I remember, I'm such a nerd, I was in a library. <laughs> I was always in the library looking for books and stuff. And I remember um, getting a, a, a book out on Netball, and I saw the England team. Um, and I said, yeah, I want to I do that one day. I want to I go and play for England. I want to visit. I think it was just at head, Netball headquarters. Yeah. But, and the address was there. And I said, one day I'm going to go there. I'm going to visit. And, um, but I had no way of getting there because um, I was only playing for school team. But it's almost like things just kind of conspired towards getting me to where I wanted to get to. And, and so on the school team, I had a friend who said, my sister plays for this club. You know, you should join them. So she gave me, back in the day, it was only phone numbers yeah. <laughs> and yellow pages. So she gave me the phone number. And I remember I called up the coach. She said, oh, you know, I really want to come um, and play. And um, I joined the team. 
Um, and they were really good. Bearing in mind, I only had uh, like primary school level netball. This was a local team in East this London? This was a school, it? no, this is actually in Essex. Right. And it was quite a pain because my school was in Essex, so my, my school at the time was an hour away from home, so right. I'd have to come back from school, so it's an hour home, and then get dressed really, really quickly, and then go out 45 minutes, all by bus, to get to this club. But even though it was such an um, inconvenient journey, I was so happy. I couldn't be happier playing netball twice a week for this club. I, it was the best place, and I wasn't the best player, but it, I don't know, I just, I, I just felt like it was a com- completely a perfect fit. So when did the change come from netball to athletics? Um, so, netball club, from club, I went to county, played for Essex Met, um, which is a very, very strong county. I think we won the county com- counties a few times. And then I got England trials for under 17 at one point, made, made it to play for England under 17. And then I got to play for England in 19. Um, and then it th- the thing is, everything around that time is a bit hazy. Because <laughs> I, at that point, I mean, so England in 19, I would have left school by then. And I was at uni. Doing so, linguistics, is that right? Yeah, so I went into uni. I went, I started my degree being an Apple player. And then I left being an athlete. Right. <laughs> so in the, in, you know, in the middle of my three years, I transitioned from doing netball to doing track. Had you always done track in some capacity or how did you get Not track really. into Not really. Track, track was just sports days at school. Yeah. I, I didn't really know track existed as an entity. For me, it was like, who the hell runs? Like, who trains to run? You just run. You don't yeah. train to yeah. run. But I remember at uh, school sports day, one of my teachers said to me that, um, Chris, because I ran 800 because nobody else wanted to do it. <laughs> Um, that's a kind of I think that's a current theme or a, a, a theme from my life doing things that nobody else wants to do <laughs> worked out okay well yeah and then he said oh Chris you look like you've been coached do you have coaching and I said no and then a, a, a school friend of mine overheard he's like oh Chris I run for this running club you know you should come and join us so that's kind of got a phone number and I called the running club um, and Tim Mundell who still is a manager for the club right now he the first person I met at Newman Essex and um, we've kept in touch ever since that day. I saw him a couple of weeks ago um, and that's how I got into running and why did you end up doing the 400? again I did it because nobody else wanted to do it <laughs> so when you first went to do athletics did you have yeah. an idea of what you were doing not really I had no idea of what happened I just <laughs> knew it was running I yeah. didn't know there were different events um, I was very um, aware of the fact that People liked sprinting, like, you know, everybody wanted to sprint. Yeah. So I know that for me, there were two events. There was sprinting and there was long distance. I didn't really know the different, you know, I didn't know it was broken down yeah. further, but I knew there was a sprint people and there was a guys who just kept running round and round and round and round. And so I got put with the sprint people, the sprint girls, um, and I actually outran them a couple of times. And they put me into a meet, like we do you have the, the, the club meets yeah. at weekends. And then I remember wanting to do the shorter distances, but those spots were already taken up by the, you know, more assertive girls. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then they said, well, you can do 400. And I'm like, what's, what's that? What's 400? And so you just, just run round. Just, it's just one lap <laughs> all the way round. And I thought, okay, that's not too bad. I mean, it looked like it was a long way, but I could just jog round, just jog round. And I jogged round and I won. And then that became my resident spot for the club that was that was that was it 
And it's funny because people always ask me about 400. I always say, you listen, the 400 is never an event you pick. Nobody in their right yeah. mind picks the 400. The 400 picks you. You know, the 400 will select <laughs> who it thinks or who it deems worthy enough of putting themselves through that kind of pain. So that's how I ended up doing the four. And I just, I just, uh, um, whenever there was a 400, I think I was just too polite to say otherwise, but I just said, yeah, fine, I'll do it. Well, it's quite fortu- fortuitous that that is the case because, like, otherwise, maybe you never would have known that 400 no, was your, your event. Yeah. And yeah. 400 really was your event. Let's, let's be honest. Else, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't quite do anything else. But yeah, that was um, how I ended up doing the 400. So that would have been around 2001-ish, I think. And then... Because um, I made... Um, so when I... Shortly after I was picked for the 400, well, I... Well, the 400 picked me. Um, I was selected for a, a UK match, GB match against France. And I ran, I came bron- I came in a bronze position. I mean, it wasn't really medals, it was more just positions. Um, and then I think that experience for me was something that I really, really loved. I loved being on the team. But um, I, I, I love the fact it was an individual sport. I was going to ask that because that really does make a difference. It doesn't does it? It's kind of down to down to you whether as yeah. to whether you succeed or not. And I think towards the end of the netball career, I was getting a bit frustrated because I wanted to play a certain position and I couldn't. And and I just thought with track, you had so much control over what you did. And I think that's one of one of the reasons that kind of pushed me into right. the athletics camp. But you know, I think when it was coming to the towards the end of Netball, my netball career. I said, "Well, my dream was always to play for England. I've done that now, and um, now it's the time to try something else." Um, no, I first was aware of you at all. I think could have been in two thousand and three. You went to the European Under Twenty Threes. Yeah, yeah. You got a bronze medal yeah, there. I got a bronze medal from lane one. Right. See, that's <laughs> many, many great athletes have got have got medals from, from the inside lane. Um, yeah. So I would have known of you then, but mm. I think when you really came to prominence. In my mind, would have been two thousand and four. Mm-hmm. Um, you won the UK trials, yeah. And your first big, big competition in the UK team was the the Olympics. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's quite a jump, isn't it? From like playing netball a couple of years before to actually yeah. running in the Olympics. Um, that's when I realised that I'd made the right choice. Um, <laughs> I, I remember that that year, two thousand and four. I was just happy to make the relating. That was my dream. I thought, if I'm going to leave netball, where I'm completely happy. And I know that I can, I can get better because I was a workhorse. I know I'd work and I'd get better. So I had to kind of have something else to to be worth my efforts of leaving. Because when I when I left netball, even to this day, it's really one of the hardest phone calls I've ever had to make was to call up the England. So at the time it was Liz Broomhead, um, and to call her up and say I wasn't coming back. One of the hardest decisions, and she was so upset. But she said she she said that. Um, she knew that at one point she's probably going to lose me to track. She said she knew it was going to happen. But I, you know, I love netball. I love the team. I, I learned so much being with those girls. I'm so happy that they they won. They finally. <laughs> I literally was going to be my next question because before I, we actually went into I the grew Olympics. Up with a lot of them. Yeah. We grew up with you know under 19, under 17 program, and I'm so happy that I've seen them throughout you know all these years knocking away, knocking away, banging at the door, yeah. banging at the door, and finally it's opened. And it's nice to see the girls that I. You know, you know, playing one of my favourite sports 
and who have just so patiently just stuck at it for so long. Well, they, of course, the England um, uh, netball team won yeah. Commonwealth gold this year. Of course. You won Commonwealth gold quite a few years back, let's, <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Um, they also, very recently, had a great night at the Sports Personality of the Year, yeah. within Team of the Year and of Moment of the Year they won, didn't they? I, so, netball is, is I, I think netball is a fantastic sport, I, I, I think, think it's so it exciting. Is. And I just think, you know, I mean, not to get on the bandwagon or whatever, but it really is a sport that brings people together and I think for for women as well Absolutely. it's a sport that doesn't really get much attention I think if we really want to improve sport and the well-being of our youngsters and our young girls in particular we really have to rally behind these these sports yeah. these teams who have stuck together for so long and just kept chipping away and chipping away with no funding better funding now they have good funding really good funding no, but it wasn't yeah. always the case and I remember um, coming from netball when I played back back then I was looking at women who you know had families had second jobs you know one netball player was an engineer it didn't seem at all strange to 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 do my sport and do something else because that's what I'd seen women doing the whole time yeah. you know I think it's it's um it was completely normal that's why when I came to sport I wanted to do other things it wasn't just a track athlete I want because I saw women who were juggling so much and were so successful and they weren't being funded they weren't being paid to do their sport well what's so great about netball I think it's just last week there was some news about them getting a big big chunk of funding yeah. going forward and of course the um, netball world cup is in Liverpool, Liverpool next year yeah, and I will I will be there to watch I, I, I had, I had my, um, thing to my emails like I was on the list to get tickets early yeah. and I missed the email <laughs> and I literally went the next day to buy tickets and they'd all gone it's, it's, so that says something doesn't it like they sold it in a day I, I watched a, a, a match in uh, the I was get this name wrong. The copper box. I was going to put yes. it in there, and I just, I just love being. It makes me feel so good to just watch them playing. Well, it feels to me like the, um, the powers that be, whoever they are, mm. have kind of got this in mind. I think they're aware that they need to promote a women's team sport in the same way that football has been, and it feels to. like they've got the bit between the teeth that they're really yeah, going to be pushing this. Just, I, hope it I think it was so frustrating to watch how people are kind of, kind of setting sports off against each yeah. other when on, in, in actual fact everybody is just trying to make the best of what they have you know so I'm, I'm happy they're finally getting the recognition they deserve me too back, back to the Olympics it's <laughs> a bit of a tangent there um, so <laughs> this is your first ever Olympics you yeah. get um, you say you were aiming for a, a for relay, relay spot, spot yeah. but you actually got an individual got spot an individual. and not just that you had a really really good Olympics I mean I you, did you ran 50.5 did you know at the time how good that was 50.5 from a British runner no I didn't I, honestly, I didn't. Um, I think it's... Um, I'm, I'm not somebody who gets too hung up on stats and noise. I'm not a noise. I don't like noise at all. But for me, it was just... I had to get through to the next round. Yeah. I remember... Um, I trained really, really well going, going into the games. And I remember um, speaking to Dave Collins at the time. He was a psychologist at the time. Yeah. He wasn't... He, he was there as a, a psychologist... Uh, capacity. I remember him saying, "Chris, because I was really nervous. I didn't have my coaches there. I had no one." <laughs> and Lloyd was your coach. Lloyd and Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Park, but neither of them could come out to Athens. I was completely on my own at my first Olympic Games, um, and I remember being really nervous. And Dave Collins said, "Chris, you just got to, just pretend it's my land. That's what you got. Yeah. To, just pretend it's my land." And I thought, yeah, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter whether or not I'm in for a medal or not. I'm here to give myself the best performance I can give myself. And it wasn't really a time. It was being able to leave um, the Olympics knowing that I'd done everything in my power 
to put down a good performance. And I'd done that. I'd made it to the semi-final. I missed out by the missed out the final by 0.01. Finished top ten in the world. Um, I think the final would have been a bit too much for me. <laughs> I, was, I think I was exhausted. <laughs> I was exhausted after the the semi, but I think probably just the occasion. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was really happy. I was really happy with that as a performance. But when you moved, changed from netball mm. over to athletics, was like the Olympics and medals and that something you were thinking about, or was it just the sport that you were more engaged with at the time? Um, that's a good question. Um, no, I I'd never followed the Olympic movement. <laughs> Netball's a Commonwealth sport, so yeah. I knew about the Commonwealth Games. I didn't really know much about the Olympics. I mean, I knew it was a big deal, <laughs> but didn't really know much else. But that's kind of refreshing, and also it means I think you can probably go into it, not maybe as overawed as other people would. Exactly. Not I knowing quite it worked, what it was all about. It worked in my favour. I remember um, being in Athens and one of the fellow athletes she'd thrown up in the toilet before I'd race. I was like, what are you being sick for? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> but it was, it was nerve-wracking, but I didn't have the whole baggage of yeah. this is the Olympics and you've got to perform the best you, you've ever performed. It, that wasn't me. That was just me going. Bearing in mind, before every race, I was scared anyway. So this is just my normal fear of dealing with the 400. Yeah. But in a sense, I think for me, I, because I'd known I'd been training well, I almost had to do myself justice. And I'm happy that my first big competition was the Olympic Games because, for me, that set the tone for how you're supposed to do competitions. Um, you're not just going there to fill up, fill up a spot. You're actually there to do something. So I'm happy that my baptism of fire was the Olympic Games because then I was immediately... Um, I could immediately see what the standard of play was, who my competitors are, what they do, how they warm up, how they run their race, how they cope. I could see all of that, and then I could start plotting my my way. Um, but yes, yeah, so I'm happy. It wasn't, you know, if I, it's, it's, I mean, it depends on the, uh, the the temperament of the person you're yeah. dealing with. But I, I think for me, it was good to be in a deep, and I was happy that I was thrown in there. And I had to figure out a way how to manage without crashing and burning. Well, you did brilliantly. You ran. The, there was a fifth. You're not into stats. We are. Yeah. <laughs> you, ran, you were the fifth fastest person of all time at that point um, with fifty point five zero. And you also ran in the relay team. Um, yeah. Who came fourth? There was some controversy later on about um, the Americans. They ran a runner in the um, preliminaries who later got banned. Yeah, it turned out. Yeah, Crystal, yeah, Crystal, Crystal Cox. Cox w- were you yeah. aware of any of this at the time? Because I mean, no. you, you never did get that that medal. This is going to be a running no. theme of you getting medals later, <laughs> isn't it? But you never did get that medal. No, so it sticks, sticks time, in our craw. Yeah, at the time, I didn't think. Remember, I was I was just very very new to the sport. I was just about learning the the names of my my relay team. <laughs> just about trying to. Um, you know, there was a lot of information taken, but no, at the time I wasn't aware of that. I was just happy. I think, you know, to be very, very honest, I was just happy to have gotten round and done my bet. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's all any really uh, runner can just be thankful for that. You know, I got on the track, I did my bet, didn't screw anything up. It was it was a good one. <laughs> um, we'll be coming back to relay okay. later on. Um, so 2005 was it was a solid year. You know, yeah. you you again got to the world championship semi final. 2005 was a weird year. I mean, I could definitely understand. Um, it was 2000 2004 was a shock, but yeah. I think because I ran so well, there's that that fierce set. And I'm, I mean, I, I know I ballsed up 2005. Um, it was a semi that I should have comfortably. 
uh, placed well in, right. but I didn't. I, I had a quicker time going into Not the champs because I did under 23s that year. I got a silver. Silver, yeah. So um, I, I went into the championships running 50.7. And um, um, I mean, there's, there's other variables. I was, I was a bit ill going in, but still, I, I didn't think I'd given myself a performance I should have been proud of. And I know I messed that up. And I remember saying, like, this is the last time. This is a fi- this is the, this is it's never going to happen again. Where I go to a final, or I go to a championship, and um, I don't make the final for no other reason other than just being scared. If you're injured or sick, it's different. But I think there's nothing wrong with you, Christine. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with you. There's no reason how you can come into a champs running well and they don't even come close at a championship. But at this point, you're still pretty new to the sport, and it I seems am. like you're treating it as a each each championship each experience is like a learning learning yeah curve. you had to I think I was the 400 is I, I think the 400 is one of the most easiest and one of the most complicated races to, I know you're probably thinking how can you no I agree I agree but what I mean it's very easy to screw up yeah once you have the pieces it works but if you try and do too much it doesn't work and I think with the, what happened in 2005 I think I had no reason not to run well there was nothing wrong with me um, I think I was I was scared, and I, right. I admit I admitted that. And I said, Chris, this is the last time you go for championship and you mess it up because you can't get your act together. And I don't think it's happened since then. <laughs> well, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll come to that. <laughs> <laughs> but you came good in the in the relay that you yeah. actually got a bronze medal. Yeah, this time. that was the first bronze medal in like it was so you, ever. Yeah, it was a long, long time since since Britain had got a bronze medal in the, yeah. in the relay. Um, have to say though. You very nearly you were on the last leg. You ran fourth, um, the, the the final leg, and you kind of stopped on the line, and you ve- you just didn't get beaten by Poland by about it was three hundredths of a second. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> you remember? Yeah. I remember someone actually came to me and said, "Don't stop on the block." Some random guy on the road. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was literally I, literally at the last meter. Yeah, you, you... I, I mean, there's 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 um the thing is you have to go through these things so that not to do yes, that again yeah. you know because people will tell you stuff but until you actually you say yeah 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 I won't do I won't do it. But it's almost like they say if you don't see you hear if you don't hear you'll feel yeah. <laughs> and I think one of the moments where you kind of say yeah yeah but until you actually feel the burn of that happening to you <laughs> and you're scared oh my gosh this, if, if I'd messed it up these girls are going to come yeah. for me so I think, um, yeah. Well, you didn't mess it up. That's that's what no, matters. But you got that wrong. You have to, <laughs> you have to always log that in in mind. <laughs> that um, could have been one of those situations. After two thousand and five comes two thousand and six, which is a big, big year for you for <laughs> all all manner of all reasons. Manner yeah. Of yeah. Reasons, so we'll yeah. start with the the positive, um, <laughs> which is the Commonwealth Games, yeah. where you swept to a, a gold medal in yeah. early in the year. It was eight, March, eight, was it? It was March. It was March. I was it there. Was March, I really shouldn't March remember. March the 21st, I think. Yeah, so as I said, um, coming out of the chance, So I should just quickly say, because yeah. you didn't just win the, the Commonwealth Games. It wasn't that. It was the fact you... It was the manner you won it in, and you also beat, at the same time, the, the world and Olympic, Olympic champion, champion. Tony Williams. So yeah. often the Commonwealth Games, can, depending on the event, cannot exactly. be the greatest quality. Yeah. Yours was a really, really good Mine quality. Mine was strong. Yeah. yeah, so as I said, after 2005, after the World Champs, where I said, that's not going to happen... I graduated from uni and I said, well, Chris, if you're going to do this, you've got to do this properly. You can't be, you know, making excuses when you get to a champ or I didn't do enough work or blah, blah, blah. And I, and I said, uh, me and Lloyd said, well, the Commonwealth Games are in March. 
I'd graduated, as I just said. Um, and I thought, you know, let me just give, let me just give myself a good six month crack at this. Let me just see where I, you know, obviously if I'm rubbish, then I'll get a job. <laughs> but let me just give this a good crack. Let me see if I can um, kind of almost redeem myself in 2005 because that really did hurt me. And um, because remember, I'd run really well the year before. Yeah. And the last thing you want to be thought of is just like a flash in the pan. You know, you can't repeat it. I remember I'd come from netball, so I had a very strong, um, what do I call it? I had a very strong desire to do well. Otherwise, I'd just go back to netball. <laughs> I could not come all the way here just to screw up. Um, so, yeah, I, I really, it was, our group was very small. It was, you know, Lloyd was the coach. Um, it was uh, me, Simeon, um, Julie Pratt, not Pratt anymore. But um, sorry, Hermina, her name's not Pratt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I always, I always know her as Julie Pratt. Um, uh, Andy Turner. So we were just the core athletes, and we worked every day because we we're all planning to go to Commonwealth Games. Yeah. So we, it was I, that was one of the best training experiences ever. It's just four of us, just and every now and again we'd have I think Chris Tomlinson joined us to do some sprints, and a, another uh, triple jumper joined us. And um, I, I remember it was it was funny. It was hard. That's really one of the toughest training um, sessions that you know training kind of periods. Uh, I remember the one time I did a four hundred, five hundred. Was it six hundred? I did a five hundred. Lloyd told us all to run a five, like time trials. We had time trials all the time. And I remember I, I think I was running against Andy, and maybe because he's a guy, I decided not to run so hard yeah. because I thought he's supposed to be. 50 metres in front of me, so why am I going to try and challenge him? Yeah, and so I was c- crossing the line with Julie Pratt, who is a hundred and... Hurdler, yeah. She's a hurdler. And the way this man screamed at me, Lloyd, <laughs> <laughs> he barked and barked. He's like, why are you, why are you running with, with Julie? She's a hurdler. You're a 400 metre runner. He just screamed and screamed. I remember he was screaming like from the 100 metre mark. <laughs> just walked... 100 metres screaming at me and I had to do it again <laughs> so he gave me like 20 minutes rest and I had to do a whole 500 on my own like another time trial on my own lesson learned yeah <laughs> yeah but it worked so, it worked right. so going in did you think you had a chance of, of do you know winning? what we said in October I said Lloyd yeah man we have to go for this I said this is, this is my redemption from um, um, world champs yeah. so I said I know I'm better than this and I knew that mentally I screwed it up so I thought if I can just channel my mind how I need it to be channeled and um, I remember when we got to Australia and I remember reading something that because um, this is when we were, got to the um, hold, uh, the holding camp I remember reading something you know Tanique Williams said oh, yeah I'm coming to the, the, the Commonwealth medal the last medal on my um, on my list or something like that yeah I'm coming to take my medal and I was like Seriously, you can't just come and no. If you're gonna, if you, I want this medal as well. So you're gonna have to fight me for this medal. But I, I think I'm surprised that I had that kind of confidence to send that number. Telling Lloyd, Lloyd, she said she's coming for my medal. <laughs> <laughs> but I was really, I was really on a mission. We literally had, you know, from October to March, it was a short turnaround. And but yeah, we were definitely. And I remember running seven free for the um, sixty meters right. that year. Um, yeah, it was really good. And that's why, you know, for me, I think um, with the Commonwealth being so early this year as it was, yeah. and everyone's saying, oh, it's early, it's really early, it's really early. I'm like, no, it's, it's, it's not impossible. It's not impossible to run well in March. 
So. I remember being in the crowd and me and Jodie, we were so excited when you yeah. won it. And I remember we were jumping up and down and shouting and we got told off <laughs> by like a really miserable Australian man for being no, too, too much making noise. too much noise or something like that. And we were just like, really? Like, you can't the make too chance. much noise exactly. at track. Yeah, that's what I said. That's exactly <laughs> how I feel. Um, now, straight after this, um, yeah. there was a lot of controversy um, a lot of press attention it's something yeah. that's still, still talked about a lot today um, yeah. to do with the new change in the rules etc to yeah. um, so take us through um, England getting disqualified from the 4x400 um, <laughs> <laughs> you're so funny <laughs> um, oh. I should say I don't know if you understand, don't know if you know but that um, that race, we just quickly explain to people. Um, yeah. Britain, England, Team England won the four by four relay um, very easily, you know, with yeah, no problem. Yeah. But then later on, got disqualified yeah. because they hadn't lined up correctly. Um, mm-hmm. It's to this day one of my all time favourite moments in track and field. Really? It got discussed so much. Maybe yeah, you didn't quite understand was, um, what happened. Well, it was between it was um, the third and fourth leg, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was. Um, oh no, I was on. No, you were on third. Yeah, so it was between <laughs> second, second and third. And third. Um, yeah, it was. It was really upsetting. I suppose I'm probably not the best person to ask because I was happy with my. I had a goal. Medal, yes, of course. Yeah. So it was probably a little bit different for the girls that didn't have one. Yeah. I know um, the relay is a chance for people to come and have a second crack. Yeah. Um, it's always devastating, especially when you know a team. Uh, come together for that moment and we won fair and square it wasn't um, but it's, 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 it's I suppose it was just, it was frustrating at the time because it was really uncalled for and there were differing accounts as to what actually happens well the, the thing I think people found so frustrating was when you actually watched the video mm. um, it looked very much like Tamsin Lewis who's the Australian beckons. Lewis she kind of ushered yeah, um, Tash through beckons. they were in the right order uh, yeah. Tamsin Lewis seemed to have ushered Tash through yeah and from what and Tash told me afterwards they weren't even on the track at the 200 metre line so they had no idea what order yeah. people were supposed to be yeah. in she actually Tash through Tash just took her up on it thinking as you the would right do, thing to I do. Mean, you don't you don't think yeah. twice you don't think oh that's when you just go where there's a space remember yeah. these girls are getting ready to run a 400 nobody's thinking much about anything just making sure that the right side of the line and they hope that their player or their athlete comes in Give them enough room so they can go out and run. It's very... You're not thinking of a huge multitude of things. That's why you have to have people to stand there to shift you around. Yeah. You're not there, you're here. Because tensions are really, really high. And it's really unfair to kind of tell the athletes that you should know where you should be standing. There was um, lots of speculation at the time that it had kind of been done on purpose. That she'd have to go yeah, through and then put the complaints in. I know. But what, I mean, it was... I think it was really ugly what happened afterwards. And Yana Pittman. Pittman. Pittman, Pittman she it? was upset. She actually gave us her she medals. Did, yeah. And we said, listen, we're not taking your medals. And she wrote a long note. Which she gave to me saying, we're really, really sorry. And But... I don't know, what can you do? It's not really... I mean, I, I, I think as a team, we felt justified... And quite vindicated by the fact that everybody was mad about it. So sometimes like we didn't have to do anything. Yeah. Everybody had taken we, out. We were mad for you. Yeah, right? everybody yeah. had taken it out. So sometimes like we 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 didn't do any didn't do anything. But it's always nice to win a medal. But I just think to to have won it in the way we, we won yeah. it outright yeah. winners. Um, but this, this is harsh. still happening in 2017. I, I remember sitting um, by the um, changeover bit for the men's relay and we watched as the teams got in totally the wrong order yeah. and the, the stewards who were putting in order didn't know what they were doing, yeah. got completely wrong and then I think two teams got disqualified and we literally, as it happened, me and Jodie said that they're going to get disqualified. Mm. So it's not an unusual occurrence. You think it's they would have sorted unusual. it out by now? I, yeah, it's, 
Yeah, I mean, if I, I, don't, I never think it's the athletes to blame. I really don't think it's fair to blame the athletes. It's the officials that should know what's going on. I think you have to. The officials have to understand that it's, it is high stakes. Medals are on the line, and it's up to them to make sure that the athletes are in the right position. If it means you have to have somebody at the 200 with a radio, yeah. I don't know, just radio through. Okay, Britain won you know, Rwanda 2, whatever, you've got to radio them through, then just, you do that so people know, because even as, as you're watching, don't always, you can't always see, yeah. and um, you're, you're just making sure that you're on the right side of the line, to be, you know, and there's so much going through, nobody wants to get disqualified, so I think it's, it will be helpful if the officials knew what was going on. Yeah, well, we, we can kind of laugh about that controversy now, the, the other yeah. controversy, which I've kind of alluded to a bit before, is... is Less amusing, I, 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 I suppose. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so we had um, the big controversy in 2006 yeah. with the missed, missed test. Missed you test, ended yeah. up um, having a year's ban mm-hmm. for... Uh, people talk of it as a drug ban, and I always say it's not, it wasn't a drug ban, it was no. for missed tests, which is not yeah. the same thing at all. Um, I'm pretty up on this, because I've been like, deep into it for like, over a decade, like, trying, to, trying to find out exactly what happened. But mm. from your perspective, just, just tell us... What happened there? Um, I think, in a nutshell, first of all, I think there's several strands to this, and the strands that I think were not taken into account were that um, it was a pilot scheme. It was a pilot scheme, and it wasn't um, something that we were used to doing before. Before that, it was just, a, you know, uh, it, was, it was very much a casual affair. Just write down your thing, and then maybe they turn up. If they don't turn up, you just go on your way it wasn't do you understand it wasn't like that it was this was a pilot scheme a new scheme that had come into come into play so that's one element that I think wasn't really taken into account the other um, the other thing people weren't taking into account that these are random tests you don't um, you're not aware that they're turning up so if you're not aware they're turning up, you can't evade them. Yeah. You can't duck and dive because you don't know they're there. I had a lot of people saying, oh, she avoided tests. And I kept no. saying, well, she can't, you can't I avoid can't something avoid when you something don't know it's happening. Don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'll go into this later, but I'm actually, I probably could, should have missed more tests with the way my life was. Do you understand? Yeah. I probably would have missed more. And you weren't the only one. Lots of British athletes yes. were on two. Exactly. That point, and that was, that was the third strand I was going to come on to is the fact that this was not an unusual occurrence yeah. this happens all the time I was just the first person to have gotten to three <laughs> and if I remember correctly you didn't a lot of people saying well how could you miss two and then do a third it's you didn't know about simple. but you didn't know about the second one by the time the third one happened um, I don't think the thing is you know about them but then so you have to take into account the system the system where you have to give an hour per, per day for a quarter so it's not you're saying next week I'm going to be here here right. here and here um, you, so just say we're going into uh, the new year now. I don't know when it's going to go up. <laughs> but um, so in January, you would write your things, your one hour, one hour, one hour for um, the next quarter. So all the way up until the end of March. So it will be. So it will be. No, it will be after March. Right. So you would have done. You would have done January um, before. Yeah. So you're writing for the next quarter. Yeah. So you write for March till June. Or something. June. Yeah. yeah. And then when you get to March, you'll write for the next quarter. So it's, you're doing it in advance. You're doing, you're filling it in quarters. Yeah. Um, and you didn't do yours at home. Most people did at home at like yes, six most, o'clock or something. Exactly. Because it's something you would always exactly. do. You did because your family. I elected not to do it at home, which, um, I mean, even think, the thing is, when I think about it, and I have been thinking about it a lot now that I'm retired, <laughs> I never wanted to think about it before. It was been very, very hard to process that part. I kind of just pushed it to yeah. the 
to the back of my mind. But when I looked at it now, I kind of think, well, I would not have changed what I would yeah. not have changed. I couldn't. It wasn't that I, maybe I know I made my life difficult by not having it at home. But when I looked at my family, my family's comfort and convenience came first. I'm one of eight kids. We all lived in one house. Um, you know, I had younger brothers getting ready for school in the mornings. So we have age ranges from me, who was going to uni or just graduated from uni, um, to secondary school, primary school and nursery. And then my, both my parents go to work. So it wasn't, for me, it wasn't uh, appropriate to have testers come in. I mean, when were they coming? The house is in action from 6 to 11. Yeah. Then I go training. Do you understand? When would they have come in? So it wasn't, even when I think about it now, I wouldn't have changed it because I didn't think it was appropriate to have testers in the house. I mean, and also the fact it's just mayhem. <laughs> 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 My house is a madhouse. It's pure mayhem. So that was the best option. I know I made life harder for myself by having um, testing slots at training, but that's for me at the time, was the best option. And then another thing was the fact that my coach wasn't employed, like he was employed by UKA, um, but he wasn't. He was working his own job. Yeah. So he would be like, Chris, we'll train it. So things changed. Things were very, very fluid. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a set, I'm going to be here every day. At two. Hopefully I would be. Yeah. And that was a plan. I mean, you see, you, you kind of in good faith write it down that I'm going to be there. But things are subject to change a lot. I was training in three different training venues. You know, I was at the gym here. Because nothing was organised. When Lee Valley opened, it was different. I was always going to be at Lee Valley. It was, in, it was indoors. So I think those messages were not really getting out. And it wasn't... I mean, you only can say so much without just giving up and saying, I can't, I can't be fighting all these different fires. Um, you know, I, I can't. It was, and, and also, the fact that, you know, maybe... I, 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 I saw some kind of dis- well, I saw many disparaging remarks, but one of the ones was, why can she forget how she can forget? And I'm like, well, you know what? I was 22 years old. How many 22 year olds are completely supremely organised? I just graduated from uni. I was trying to, you know, uh, uh, proceed in life as being an athlete, being a professional athlete yeah. at that. Um, I think also because you'd had one missed in October the next one wasn't there until June you've done so well (laughs) (laughs) but if you miss one in October by June you've probably forgotten forgotten about the first one anyway it's like in the forefront of your mind and then when you miss when you kind of think yeah yeah I'm not going to miss another one you don't think oh I'm going to you just think oh it's not going to happen again you won't happen again you know I'll do my best I'll try but then something happens you forget Um, and so you kind of just think it was really hard because nobody really has... No, I don't think very, very few people have experienced the kind of testing system that we have in their everyday lives. There's nothing that kind of mirrors that, that putting yourself under scrutiny for an hour. Nothing mirrors that. Not just that, but at the time, no other country... Nobody else was doing so it. I think maybe it was either Germany or Sweden were the only, only country mm. that was similar. <clears throat> um, most, no other country in the world would you have even got a ban because what used to happen for Americans, for example, yeah. if you weren't there, someone would call and, they'll find and you would come are. back. <laughs> Where it was here, the testers weren't allowed if to they call. They can't wait. They just they had to wait. They can't they? wait for you. I mean, yeah. the, the middle test I think people did um, bring up was one where I was aware of them. And that's because... I was at the gym and my Lloyd said actually just take a day off because I think I was sick on that day so I took a day off and then and they'd arrived at the gym and maybe I think my gym instructor must have cottoned someone, on yeah someone had and you. so um, thing is you, they can't say that, that they're there but they almost say we're here for Christine and so maybe about 20 minutes after they'd arrived he kind of called me and said Christine the drug testers are here 
um, what should I say to them? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm not there. I'm here, aren't I? So <laughs> what do you want me to do? And he goes, okay, fine. Let me, um, let me try and see if I can sort something out. So he eventually called back with them on the phone. By that time, about 10 minutes had lapsed or so. And I spoke to the woman and she's like, well, I'm here. And I said, well, I'm here. Do you want me to come in? And she goes, well, I can only wait for an hour. I can't wait longer. And it, over half an hour had already gone. Over, the time I said, well, it's going to take me at least an hour door to door, mm-hmm. leave my house, get to there, walk, you know. This is, this is before I was driving, relying on good old TFL, <laughs> <laughs> which is not always emotional either. And I lived in East and my gym was like northeast. And she goes, well, Chris, I think she, the, the, thing, the funny thing is, I, I spoke to her a couple of years afterwards, and she's like, Chris, if I'd known this would have happened, I would have waited for you. She was, she was apologising, yeah. I'm like, you know what, it's fine. She actually apologised, and I felt so bad for her, because I actually know the testers, and I like them. Whenever they test, we sit and we talk for ages. When it comes to my house, I give them tea and coffee. <laughs> and she just felt so awful, and I felt bad, because I didn't want her to feel bad that it was her fault. It yeah. wasn't her fault. Those are the rules. But that's what happened. I said, well, she goes, well, I've, I've only, I can only went for an hour. And I said, well, I'm in East London. You know, I, I can come in. But she's like, well, Chris, because they have to write the time yeah. that they arrive. And I said, well, and she's going to have to be a missed test. And I said, well, it's going to have to be, isn't it? I don't know, I don't know what else Absolutely. I can do. What I found so frustrating about the whole situation <clears throat> is because athletics, we get a decent amount of publicity, you know, when mm. good things happen. But nothing in comparison to the publicity that we get if someone fails a drug test. There's yeah, no comparison. Was... So you, you were slightly famous, you know, in the world for winning the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. But in no way did you get as much publicity from winning the Commonwealth Games as you did mm. from this that happened afterwards. And you get an awful lot of sports writers who don't really cover athletics yeah. who come bounding in, writing all kinds of stuff that they don't, yeah. don't know or understand. Yeah. And that all really negatively impacted on you, it felt. People just not really knowing what they were talking yeah. about. Yeah, um, I mean, I can say it now because I've retired, but... It was awful. I mean, I can look back on it now and just say, like, a lot of these... I was actually very disappointed. I actually wanted to be a journalist um, when I left. You know, those were one of the things that I thought I wanted to do. But when I saw how they were behaving, I thought I couldn't do that to anybody else. I couldn't put somebody else through that. People who should know better. Remember, I was only 22 years old at the time. I'd been brought up to, you know, just work hard, keep your head down. And if anything does go wrong, your character, that will show, you know, that will show you through. That, that's, but I was going to a point where it doesn't matter what I say. People, you know, it was actually very disappointing. And it, it almost like, um, it really kind of rubbed the shine off me. I was like, I, I, it made me very, very, um, not angry, but it's like I just couldn't care less after a while. Okay, I, 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 the world wasn't the same place, the innocent place that I mm. thought it was. Remember, I grew up, I enjoyed everything I did as a kid growing up, even though I did the most boring, odd jobs. I enjoyed everything. And it got to a point where this is not the place I thought happened. And it was very, it was teamed with a lot of um, just the reports. It was biased. It was prejudiced. You could tell the tone. And even when I compare it with when I see other people that have missed tests, completely different. And when you see there's something else going on. So it made me very... um, I don't even want to say wary because it was a lot stronger than wary. Um, I remember one guy, when I, when I won in 2008, the reports, you know, don't vote for this drug cheat. You know, I was called the most horrific names. Um, I, well, I know some journalists have actually come and apologised in an yeah, underhand, roundabout kind of way, but I just, it, it, was, it was very hard. It wasn't just me, it was my family. It was my, my brothers were very young at the time. My sister was very young. They were kind of coming home from school in tears. You know, it was hard for my parents, hard for my coach. Um, 
but I'm really grateful for those you know even though I um, I was going through that UK still stuck by me I mean I know they couldn't but I still had the visas and the thing is they weren't working with, with me under UK they just said Chris we love you we're going to help you we're going to help you get back to wherever you need to be so everybody was just coming out and helping me and that was that was really nice despite having all the negativity and it was it was really awful sometimes and the thing is it wasn't just I was getting um, people from around the world are like we can't we don't understand how you your British press can behave like this but I'm happy I saw that because I think that set the tone for me for my for the rest of my career and you realise you really know the devil that you're dealing with yeah. you know the people you're dealing with and you think okay I've seen you now it's okay I've you know some, and probably better that it happened for me so early on in my career I think if it happened a bit later, it probably would have wiped me out. <laughs> you, you talked a bit about, about, the, about the tone of the reporting. Did you think there was sort of racial undertone to that? It's hard to say. I just remember when... I, I will say I do. I did. I mean, it felt that I don't, to me. people will say you're just saying that, you're just saying that. I mean, I kind of, as I said, I saw the reports. I saw how it was reported. Um, I remember when, um, you know, the issue of my uh, Miss Tess came out and they put me up alongside all the, you know athletes that failed tests and from all I could see it wasn't just black athletes that failed tests do you understand yeah. you know I know I've been on a, I've been on a, a panel where an athlete who'd failed a series of tests um, you know and one of the journalists was asking when is this guy you know he wasn't a black athlete he was a white guy I remember a journalist asking when is this guy going to be reinstated why have you why are you not putting him back on the team and even this this was, this was right at the time of my career right back in 2004 we're thinking, but this guy felt... I don't even know much about this sport, but I know he failed the test, and I know that's wrong, and I know he shouldn't be back on the team if he's failed. This was back in 2004, as I said. So I don't know. I mean, I don't want to use that, you know, but it was something that was really quite distasteful. It felt to me, especially around the idea of you potentially um, competing for Nigeria, which wasn't something you even said. If I remember I didn't correctly, even say no, that you I were mean, asked in the interview whether it's something you would consider, and you just kind of said, "Yeah, maybe," or something. And the thing like is, that. what I uh, maybe I, you know, uh, for me it was it, I, uh, what I meant was like, you know, I'll run for someone like Dubai where they pay me millions. You know, <laughs> that's what I had in mind, like Qatar where they'll pay me a fortune. That's what I was saying. I mean, it's actually meant as a joke. But even if I did say I wanted to run for Nigeria, that's my dual heritage. I don't understand why that was a problem. And you would only say you my would potentially do that there. if you couldn't run for Britain. Exactly. They... It wasn't something that I'd gone and researched. But I thought even if people do it all the time, yeah. because that's, that's, my, that's my heritage. That's where my parents are born. I remember, I don't want to say her name, but someone else... <laughs> You know, some other journalist, she gave me a really hard time about saying that. I'm like, but you've just, I, I, I was you've just bring channel up. hot. <laughs> so how can you be sitting there telling me you're going to go where you feel you can do your job? The job that you want, your passion, you will go where you feel you can do that. So don't sit and tell me where I can and can't go to go and do my job. Well, that particular interview we're talking about, yeah. and I know this, I was trying to find it last night. Well, maybe no, no, but you, you all know the one we're talking about. That, I felt that was... I, I love that woman. I think she's great, but I yeah. think that really left a bad taste in my mouth. I've just and been given such a hard time. <laughs> but more than anything else, it felt to me you were totally <laughs> unprepared for any of this. And yeah. so, was, it, was there anyone around you at the time giving you, I don't know, media training or anything? It's, it, you know, as I said, um, um, and the thing is, I don't actually mind talking about this now because it is something that I do think I have to, yeah. my own peace of mind, <laughs> I have to get out there, get it off my chest and get it out. It's actually quite healing. 
Um, but as I said, you know, I didn't particularly need much media training. I was just happy to be in front of cameras. That's how I was in the sport. I was just happy to be doing what I was doing. My family were proud of what I was doing. I'm from a big family. Everybody was just happy. They're happy I made the Olympic Games. They're happy that I was an athlete. So I, I, I was actually quite a natural in front of the camera. So when it came to the situation that I had, it was almost like, you know what, just go and say what happened. Do you know, it was quite, I don't know if it was thinking misguided. That be, thinking that would be good enough. <laughs> misguided naivety. Um, just go and, you know, just tell them, explain what happened. That's what, that's what I always thought it was going to be. Yeah. You know, go tell the journalists what happened. Tell them you were here, you should have not been there. I just wasn't prepared for the, um, I don't know, the... Um, the it felt like it almost felt like bullying to me. That's how it came. Yeah, across. I didn't think that would happen. It was, you know, I wasn't. I didn't think that people weren't going to believe what I said. I honestly didn't. I didn't think that was going to happen. I mean, that was my own naivety. I didn't think people would judge what I was saying, disbelieve it. I didn't know they would be um, quite sardonic in their responses to me. I honestly thought, just go and tell them what happened. You know, be yourself. Um, um, and then it'll be fine. I didn't think it was gonna. So even though you, I was unprepared, it wasn't. I, I was prepared to be myself. I just wasn't prepared in the fact that I needed to come with a different kind of steely will. I didn't know I had to be that person. Yeah. I didn't. That's if anything. That's kind of how I was unprepared. But I think I was. For me, it was not about trying to concoct stories. I didn't want to have to manipulate the situation to come out looking good. Do you know how people say? You know, you have all these. You know, don't say this, say that, look here, don't look there, wear this colour because it increases this, da 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 da, da. I didn't think I would just go out, say what you want to say, and then it'll be fine. But there is some... <laughs> <And it wasn't. laughs> naming no names, but some of your like rivals who have been like, media trained within an inch of their life, yeah. who I found unbelievably tedious, you know. Yeah. It's just that they've got nothing interesting to say because they've always been taught not to say anything. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. So... I, for one, am pleased that you're, you've never never been that way. No. Um, got a question from, from Twitter now, from, okay. um, from Hilary Evans. Um, Hello, at Hilary. At, <laughs> at, at Olympic Statman, he is on, on Twitter. Okay. Um, about this subject, he said, yeah. um, uh, were you hurt by some of the public reaction following your 12-month suspension? Yes and no. Um, I think the public that were close to me, they were fine. I mean, not that they were fine. They had the benefit of talking to me and understanding what had happened. I mean, I had people calling me from everywhere, Chris, what happened? We're seeing this story. And I'm grateful for the fact that they actually came and said, Chris, what happened? What did you do? <laughs> <laughs> what mess have you gotten yourself into now? Like, what? People had people telling me, why did you miss the test? Why didn't you turn up? Da, 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 da. And I'd explain it to them. And that was fine. And, you know, I didn't mind if a coach would say, Chris, you know, that's not... Like, a lot. the thing is, a lot of people were saying... Um, coaches in particular like Chris you've got to get organised you know you can't do this and da 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 if it means you've got to move out you have to go and I you know I was so grateful for that because people actually saying, you know what you know this is how you can make it better this is what you need to do you have to be an elite athlete now you can't be keep you know kind of chasing after your family doing errands and making yourself tired my coach is always saying Chris you can't be a big sister all the time you have to be an athlete you can't you've got to look after yourself this is your job now you can't be making a simple mistake this is your job and so when people were saying that from a place where they understood where I was coming from, I was fine. What I didn't like was just the stupid comments that were made from ill-informed people who didn't really bother to listen, didn't bother to understand. This was a very unique situation yeah. that was, you know, one of this kind, it's almost like, you know, it had to happen to me, didn't it? <laughs> but um, it, it was a situation that was very, very unique. And if, and if, But the sad thing is, 
that's what they were being fed and you can't blame people people to this day still call me names for crying out loud Um, but I don't know you can't you can't um, you you can't control every aspect so I only only can say what I can say and then the rest you have to just leave it alone but yeah I was I was very hurt it was it was it was tough especially as I said I come into the sport with just like bright eyed and bushy tailed (laughs) and then you realise it's well, it's not really like that. What I thought was really telling at the time was myself and my brother, we were, you know, we knew all the athletes were going to all the meetings, yeah. etc. Not once did I ever hear a single person in the British team who had any um, thought whatsoever yeah. that you may have been on drugs. And it I, just didn't, uh, they were just <laughs> blanket across the board, like, yeah. don't be ridiculous. I know. The whole team I really know. supported And that's, you. that was good. And, I'm, and I'm happy that the, the, the team were like my family. Even though I got I was suspended for a year, I don't I don't like saying the word banned. By the way, I've never said the word. I just that I did a certain word I just can't say. I just can't say. Just can't pass my mouth. But we, I went out suspended. I went back onto the team, and they they welcomed me with open arms, and it was nice. It was nice that the athletes actually got what I was saying. And it's like we all. I think they realised that this could happen to any one of yeah. us. Well, there was at the time. As I say, there was lots of people who actually came out and said we, we're on. Two. Yeah, we're on too, and yeah. it scared them in a good way. If I had to be the one to take the fourthers something that is actually potentially very serious I think we didn't realise how serious it yeah. was and that's why I thought you know just come out and say what I need to say and it'll be fine I tell them where I was and why I wasn't at the test and da 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 and it'll be fine nobody actually realised that these guys actually are serious they actually are going to ban you <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> moving on to much much better times yeah. into 2007 um, before we go into the big events of 2007 I have um, another question from, from, okay. from Twitter um, this is from our good friend um, Dan Peachy he says, can you ask her if she was aware how much money we were making on her ridiculous <laughs> betting odds back in the day? I have a lot to think that woman for. So just, just oh. to explain, people, the betting odds, they, they got better these days. But back like 10 years or so ago, people did not, people who did the betting clearly didn't have anyone on the staff who knew anything about athletics. <laughs> so if you knew something, if you were, knew anything about athletics at all and you yeah. got in early, yeah. you could get ridiculous wow. odds. Because you had been suspended for a year, yeah. no one was thinking about you at all. And going into oh um, Osaka, wasn't it? Yeah, Osaka, yeah. Osaka. You were on about between 40 and 50 to 1. <laughs> and so people were putting 10 and 20 pounds on you. <laughs> No, um, no, do you know what? We all need to enjoy. And when I enjoy, I like other people to enjoy, so it's good. <laughs> so, of course, this was your first, like, major, major yeah. victory on, on the world stage. Um, yeah. To me, one of the greatest moments in British athletics history with you and Nicola. Mm. Um, just quickly, going the year before, you just continued training as usual, had you? Yeah, it was a, it was a really weird year. Honestly, it was a weird year. I didn't kind of know where I was, I was coming or going. Um, I remember when the suspension did come through... Um, I was having Achilles problems on both legs, so I'd run with Achilles problems throughout um, um, Commonwealth Games, which makes the whole missed test or even more ridiculous because I just I, it wasn't even I wasn't even fit. <laughs> if I was going to take anything, it wasn't helping. I wasn't even fit anyway. I was running rubbish. <laughs> I really wasn't. You know, my mind was really just trying to get my Achilles because after the Commonwealth Games, I was I, I was I was it was I wasn't competing. I couldn't. My, so 2006 may have been a, a wipeout anyway. I don't think I would have made it back. Right. My kids were in such a mess. Um, this is a netball injury. Netball, good old netball injury, which I'd had for so many, so many years. And then because I was being suspended, the doctor was like, well, we might as well just operate on you right. as soon as you're not going to be doing anything anyway. Um, because we had the operation planned, but I just thought, oh, I'll fine, get it done. And I got it done. And then my physio... And a good thing I, I find... Um, 
when you know you have good people, I, these people that I still talk to to this day, people that stuck by me for so long, and I have a collection of physios that I've amassed over the years <laughs> that I still talk to each and every one of them, all of them, all the doctors I still talk to. And these are when I didn't even have anything. Do you know what I mean? I didn't have medals. I didn't yeah. have anything. All I just had was a smile on my face. <laughs> but these are guys that I, you know, I still talk to. So remember the physio, I will say he's a Matt Lancaster, brilliant physio. And he got me back um, running in February. It's after my Achilles operation. And I don't know, but he was so dead set on getting me back because <laughs> I didn't want to I didn't want to compete I was by then every single ounce of wind had been knocked out right. of me I didn't care for the sport I didn't care for the sport or its people I didn't care for nobody <laughs> I really didn't give in a damn flying whatever for anyone I didn't want to compete but this guy he just kept me going and the things he didn't push me at all he just said Chris I don't know what you have planned but just, I just want you to be up running. Just let's just get you back to where you were before you had the operation. Yeah. Let's just, and I think slowly, slowly, he was just literally just pushing me and pushing me, just getting me going, getting me running, getting me going, and then, um, and then also I was working with a, a great psychologist, sports psychologist, Sarah Cecil. I will name drop, and she was doing sessions with me as well, just to try and. I think them two had concocted a plan. I think <laughs> along with my coach, where they were just gonna just keep just pushing away at me just keep kind of winding kind of pulling me in back into the sport and we had one session and Sarah was like um, so I'd, I'd gotten back running um, you know on the guise of you know just get back to where you were and and I was getting better I mean I was in flats I wasn't in spikes I was in flats right up until I think it was like May um, but I remember we had a session probably about March April time May March April and then um, she's asked, she said, Chris, like, if you go to Worlds, um, you know, what, what do you think you can do? And instantly I just said, you know what, I've got to come top three. I've got to. There's no way I'm going to go for it. If I'm going to come back into the sport, there's no way I'm going through all this and flunking, you know, there's no way. I remember I made myself a promise 2005 that if I'm going to compete, I have to make sure that it's going to be worth my efforts, <laughs> not just going there to make up a, a you know, make up, a, a team and and I had remember I had the Commonwealth Games win the year before that who had be, you know beaten the Olympic champion and I thought this has something has to come around there's no way I'm going to go through all this uh, and it was it was for myself it wasn't to and then people always thought you know it's been vindication and yeah. it wasn't just for myself only for, for my own mental well-being but I can't go for it put my family for this for my coach you know they didn't deserve any of this they didn't deserve any of this so I remember telling her, I remember I texted her when I retired and I said, you know what, thank you for that. Um, it all worked out well. Yeah, so I told her that I was, you know, come third. And then, and then I think once you said it, it's like it becomes, it's out there and you, you can't turn back. And I think that then became my goal. And I was in flats, even though I'd, I was operated, so I was operated on the year before in September. I was up running in, in February. <laughs> And then I did put on spikes until late May. Um, remember, I was suspended the whole time. Yeah. So the first race, I remember Scotland Athletics called me and said, "Chris, come run, for, come running on me." <laughs> Literally, and it was so nice. So it was just incidentally, and as soon as we're in the area anyway, I was going back to emails that I, 
because emails that I haven't touched in 2006. <laughs> so I'd gone back and just read just the wonderful message people were sending me. And it was nice because it was a very dark time. Very, very dark. I mean, it's, I'm not just... I know I can smile about it now, but, you know, I was actually crying myself to sleep every night. Every night. And even if people are saying, yeah, well, Chris, we're here, we're here. You, you're by yourself. You're by yourself trying to make sense of all of this, trying to figure out where am I? Where can I go? I remember thinking, like, if I could just switch faces with someone else and just go out in public, because people were recognising me as well. You don't just want to just switch, uh, yeah. switch bodies for one day just so I can just go out and not be Christine, just be someone else for the day. So um, it was nice. So as soon as my band was up, um, I remember Your Scotland. suspension. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of try not to be too silly about it because I have to get over it at some point. Um, yeah, I remember they called me down, Chris, come and run, come and run for us. And, and also, um, UK Athletics at the time, Dave Collins was like, Chris, you know, as long as you can show me fitness and, um, what did he say? You know, we'll keep, you know, nobody's running quicker, yeah. the spot is yours. And, you know, it's just people like that that make you think, you know, they are good people. Despite all this going on, there's some wonderful people. And I actually retire knowing that these people are like friends for life. No matter what happens, I can always ring them up and see how they're getting on and, and it's, it's a good feeling so you got back just in time to qualify for the, yeah. for the Worlds um, going into the Worlds at the warm up meeting you ran oh, yeah, a, a 50.5 see we'll I never forget so this I so forget that <laughs> yeah I was so scared but you ran the 50.5 which mm. is why all of us hardcore fans we cottoned onto this which is why <laughs> we got those bets well, in <laughs> really early oh but my you, god that must have taken you by surprise oh my gosh running that quickly I, I, do you know what um, the thing is yeah, people can say they're surprised about the result, but that's kind of what I expected. Yeah. To, be, to be on my way to getting top three, I needed to perform well in, um, in, in, that, in that meet. But obviously I hadn't raced in a year. Um, didn't quite know what form I was in, but I know, um, I know I'd trained well. I know with the time trial. The thing is, back in the day, I didn't quite know what this... Because Lloyd's always shouting numbers and figures... <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And the thing is, I go off of his reaction. If he's happy, I'm happy. If Lloyd's not happy, I'm not happy. So he'll look at the time. If he's happy, if he says, Chris, that's good. I'm like, yes, that's good. But I didn't actually, couldn't quite equate the times and everything. I just had the feeling. So if Lloyd says he's happy, I remember the feeling. Like, okay, my body went through this. The phases are here. I'm happy. Do you understand? So I know that he was very happy <laughs> during the camp. So if he's very happy... I know that I'm onto a good and you know everything's good and going into the final we had both you and Nicola oh, yeah. you and Nicola in the final yeah. um, and we had like expectations <laughs> there was no definite favourite in, in that no. race and so I think we're, we're sat there thinking oh we're in with a chance here I don't think anybody thought <laughs> we were going to get to gold and silver um, yeah. and you did it with your what became your trademark like, late, late run to, late run to the, it was, to the it cup, was such end. a wonderful moment and I think because Nicola Nicola's um Fifty point zero six indoors will go down for one of the best four hundred meter races yeah, ever. Ever, you know, I don't think I've ever told her that. So Nicola, if you're listening, <laughs> um, and it was actually quite honouring to be on the same um, level as someone who actually can do something like that. That's like European record, isn't it? It's a European record. I was still to one, this day still one of still. the greatest things I've ever one seen the, in a yeah. Stadium. Um, obviously, I know it's, it's it's always a little bit contentious because we're both competing. And so you probably can never, at the time, see it and realise how amazing it, it, it was. 
but I think looking back on it now in a spirit of retirement <laughs> you can look back and you can be I, I can be very proud that I was able to you know I was able to be on the podium at one of Britain's most um, unusual yeah. um, and one of a kind um, moments in sport I mean when has that ever happened not just one gold medalist, but to have two on the podium in the same event. In an event that we weren't sort of known for... In an event that we're not known for yeah. doing well at. I mean, when has that ever happened? Well, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, True. It feels to me like we have a lot of very good athletes over the years, but yeah. going into a championships, you usually know who those athletes <laughs> are. We don't, as a, as a country, have that many <coughs> real surprises. You mm. know? So if someone goes in as a favourite or up there then they will possibly meddle. But mm. very, very seldom can I think of times where people have come out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's almost how it felt like, if one of you had got a bronze, yeah, we would have been like, over the yeah, moon. But to yeah, get a gold, yeah. silver, get still, gold and silver, I still can't quite comprehend that. You know? um, was yeah. there any thought from you? Because although this was a fantastic achievement, mm. um, the pe- it did also bring up a lot of attention to you, harking back to what happened the yeah. year before. Was there any ever feeling... I remember someone at the time said to me, and it wasn't meant in any um, mm. way against you, but they said it may have been better if Nicola had won and you got the silver. Yeah. Uh, for, for your sake, really, yeah. you know, just so you didn't yeah. have so much attention on you. It's funny because I didn't see it like that at all. I didn't see it like... Um, almost winning the gold gave me so much headache. <laughs> it gave, I didn't, but I didn't see it like that. I didn't... I, didn't, I, didn't, um, I thought once I'd... For me, once I was okay with my performance... Everybody else will be okay. But I didn't realise that once I'd won, that it came with a whole heap of, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, I could open a whole can of whoopee that I just didn't... I mean, I'm not, not, not trying to say that I don't prepare for these things, but my mindset is that I just work. That's me. I don't, I'm not looking at the backstory or the implications. Me, I'm just there to do my job. So it's not me, it's not for me to go and pick around and find out what this means and how this impacts this and this. I'm just there to do what I enjoy doing. So I didn't, you know, a lot of things that do happen, I don't realise the backlash or the stories or the wide implications only until after the fact. So when I did, I remember I had an interview when I'd won and this journalist reduced me to tears. Yeah, I was crying because I'd won and I thought it was going to be a celebratory phone call (laughs) and he was... um, you know, but you, you, you missed test. How do you think it looks that you've missed test and now you're bringing, you know, a medal? And I think people were just upset because I'd beaten Nicola. That's how I saw it. They are just upset because I'd beaten Nicola because I'd been on a suspension for a year and how, who are you to come and think you can just come and beat somebody who's already established and blah, 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 blah. I said, oh, well, that's just your problem. Do you know what I mean? I'm happy with my gold medal. I worked frigging hard for that. So, yeah, so this journalist reduced me to tears. The thing is, I still seem to this day, and even seeing him, I feel a way. I don't feel, you know... People don't understand how deep these things cut. It cuts deep. And even though it's many years removed from what actually happened, I still see them and it just burns my soul because the moments that I know were so good for me and people just ruined them. Yeah. And it's that, I remember when I took that phone call, I remember that crap. This is, this, is, this is not all fun and games. This is not happy, happy. This is, you know, you're going to have a whole lot of shit to deal with now. And it, I, I actually, actually brought it to my attention and I just didn't know what to do with myself I'm like well what am I supposed to not celebrate am I supposed to just go back to crying like I was before what am I supposed to do um, but yeah it brought it home that it's not I don't know there's so many different levels I think I didn't realise that as I said I'd 
No, I don't know if it's naive. It was naivety, but I'm not going to fault myself for that. I'm not going to fault myself for being that person that I was. It was naivety, but I just didn't think people were so mean. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think they were just really awful people. <laughs> I know now. Relay again, 2007. Yes, that um, was fun. Bronze medal. Yeah. British record. British record. Um, super, super fast. Um, so yeah. It's 3.20.05, which mm. is basically a 50 second each for all of you. Yes. So that's, that's a... That was, that was good. And, and I think it was such a good... The Relays are such great team building events. To be celebrated with someone at the height of your achievement, um, nothing can buy that kind of um, bond that you have with your fellow teammates. Nothing. Nothing can buy that. And yeah, it was good, and I was proud of Nicola. Nicola ran on forty-eight leg. You did, yes. forty-eight, <laughs> forty-eight leg. So I was proud of her. And you just, you just, you just so proud of your members. And I think, despite all of the other noise, um, you look at your team members, and you're so proud of them. You actually watch them running. You're like, look, that's 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 Britain running. <laughs> Those are our girls, and you're incredibly proud of them. What's so interesting? You say that is, it's always felt like a really great sort of camaraderie between the mm. four girls in a way that there clearly wasn't in the 100 girls at the same time. Yeah, um, they are now, you know, they're, yeah. they're all great now, but it's really interesting how your generation of the 4 by 4 girls always seemed to get on really well and were successful, was the 4 by one girls just could not yeah, do that. Yeah, I think reason. it's always, there's always different things going on. I just think, for, you have to look at the event. 400, we tend to be a lot calmer. <laughs> a lot calmer, a lot more reasoned. Yeah. Um, we all know the 400, we're going to die anyway. So let's just save our energy, stop the bickering, <laughs> and just... just <laughs> you know, save everything for the 400. You know, when we all die together, you know, we can celebrate. But I think there's something different about 400 meter runners. We're not, we're, we're a different type of animal yeah. <laughs> than the sprinters tend to be. And I think that's, that shows. Yeah, clearly. It's not just, you know, the women's, it's the men's team as well. We, I think we all just know we're going to go through the same pain. So let's not waste our energy fighting. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sally Pearson and you're listening to the Back Straight Boys. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to stop you right there. Thanks ever so much for tuning in to our exclusive Christina Horiger interview. Um, I've taken you up to her stunning World Championship victory. And next time we'll be coming straight in with the Olympics. I hope you've enjoyed it so far and we'll see you back here in a few days. Bye-bye. <laughs>